welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. As always, ladies, this podcast and the information being provided to you is for educational and informational purposes only, and it should not be taken as medical advice. It is not intended to treat or cure any specific illness, and it is not to replace the guidance provided by your own medical practitioner. This information is to be used at your own risk based on your own judgment. And if you suspect you have a medical problem, we urge you to take appropriate action by seeking medical attention. All right, ladies, welcome back again to the podcast. I am so kind of humbled to talk about this today. I'm actually talking about my journey um, coming off my SSRI and office medication that I was on for over 10 years. I am two months and about a week off of it. And so I have some new learnings, some new perspective for you, and I can't wait to share it with you. I just first wanted to say that this mental health journey has been wild. (laughs) And I truly believe that if we don't have our, our mental health, we can struggle in every other area, whether it's our physical health, our connection to others, our ability to accomplish tasks and get work done and achieve what we want at work, just our how we look at our life and you know depression and anxiety are very, very real. And I really the biggest thing I just want to say is that my journey is my journey. It is not yours. You could have totally different stuff going on. And it is very important that you do work with a licensed mental health practitioner. And if you're on a medication, that you do not just come off the medication without speaking to that person and tapering uh, professionally, accordingly, and safely. I did I ignored that early on many years ago when I just thought I didn't need the medication anymore. And it resulted in really terrible depression and anxiety, as well as, um, I believe, developing in SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, because the gut and the brain are so connected. We know this. So 
I just want to put that before I say anything else because I could never in one podcast sum up all of the things I've been doing in my healing journey over the last 10 years to support my brain. There's just too much. There's too many personal experiences, too many layers to it. Just please, 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 um, especially if you're on a medication, you must, you must work with somebody to help you to taper off if that's what you and that provider decide to do together. Okay. And I will also add that there is an integrative psychiatry wing in the Boulder area. I don't know if they work outside of Colorado, but that's something also to look into. If you're someone like me who wanted a a, a kind of a conventional approach plus the functional approach, right? So root cause support, multi-layered support, you know, um, that I'm going to kind of talk through today, but also, you know, someone who understands what those medications are doing to the brain so that they can help you taper off properly. Okay. So that's something you can also look into as a resource. All right. Okay. So with all of that caveat, let's dive into the story. So if you've been listening to the podcast religiously, you know that I talked a lot about some of the kind of cascading effects that happened in my life. Kind of this light bulb moment I had when I was doing the biology of trauma certification earlier this year around um, inflammation and its impact on the brain. So we'll just do a quick recap on that. I'm going to do that and go through some of the nutrients our brains need and then also talk about what specifically I've been doing to, you know, come off of this medication. I'm going to talk about my um, actual neurochemical scores, my neurotransmitter scores on a test that I I uh, ran on myself and that I now run on, on with clients that want to and what specifically I'm doing. Okay. So let's dive in at the top. So how did we get here? Right. Like this episode's called a brain on fire on purpose. Like, right. So there was a lot of initial triggers when I was young. Um, there was a exposure to some sort of pathogen in Mexico that really lit my gut on fire. There was also an, an initial, um, trauma trigger, an emotional trauma trigger in uh, really my first relationship when I was 13, which I don't even know if you can call a relationship a relationship when you're 13, but it was significant to me at the time. And that's the most important part about trauma is if things happen you know, in your environment that you can't, that you don't know how to process, it will get stuck in the body and will release inflammation. And so the symptoms that I had at the time were diarrhea, gas, bloating, and reflux. And I just dealt with it for so long, all through, all through high school, all through college. And, you know, looking back now, I know that I had these kind of inciting incidents that we know can trigger inflammation. So there's a number of inflammatory cytokines, which is just like my favorite word to say, cytokines. Um, but they're basically messengers that let our body know there's inflammation happening. And these markers include things like C-reactive protein, IL-1, IL-6, TNF-alpha, And studies have shown that elevations in these inflammatory markers relate directly to depression. This is just information, right? So we know that these studies exist and we know that this can be linked to the gut. So let's talk about the connection to the gut. So inflammatory cytokines coming from the gut. So your immune system 
70% of your immune system and your immune markers lie right below the surface of your gut, past the epithelial cells. And so that means that when the lining of the gut or the epithelial cells are impaired from stress and toxins and medications and pathogens, then the lining of the gut also becomes impaired and compromised. And this is called leaky gut or intestinal hyperpermeability. And now a leaky gut, thinking of it as like a drawbridge, if it's opening up all the time and then there's we're exposed to all these toxins and undigested food particles and even pathogens, parasites and things, that is going to leak through the open drawbridge, the opened leaky gut. We've talked about this uh, extensively on this podcast. And it's going to potentially irritate the immune system. Okay, so an irritated immune system, that's where a lot of these inflammatory cytokines live. It's going to release those messengers and it's going to spread to the whole body. It's, It's actually your body trying to protect you. As it thinks that there's, you know, all these different pathogens to attack. And there might be, right? In my case, there was. And so we have this kind of uh, chain reaction of inflammation throughout the body. And and a very popular way for this to spread is to autoimmunity. And you guys all know that I have Hashimoto's and that's something that I'm in recovery for. But it all stemmed from this inflammation in the gut. And one thing that's in particularly interesting is that the inflammatory toxin LPS, lipopolysaccharides, is which is shed from the outer layer of certain gram-negative bacteria in the gut, and we can measure this in, in labs in practice, that can actually cross the blood-brain barrier. They've actually tested this now, and they see that the LPS created in the gut can, in fact, cross the blood-brain barrier. And so if there is a leaky gut, this is the assumption, right? So if there is a leaky gut, and that could potentially cause this neuroinflammation because if there is this LPS, this bacterial overgrowth that has a gram negative bacteria and it's releasing the outer layer and it's leaking through the drawbridge or the, the gut lining and it's cascading through the body in the blood and then it's crossing the blood brain barrier, it's going to cause inflammation there just the way it would cause inflammation in the thyroid or in the nerve cells, right? So it can kind of find a pathway, right? So um, this is this is new newer science and and the studies that have been coming out um, are linking this to depression. So this is how you know seemingly you know a, a stressful event that releases the inflammation down into the body from the brain down, but then also the pathogens from Mexico potentially, or just all the pathogens and stress and toxins from our daily living. It's not like I was eating a clean food when I was a teenager, creating all this inflammation, causing this disruption to the lining of the gut, releasing and irritating the inflammatory messengers in the gut, right? Releasing this inflammation throughout the body, including going to the brain. So this is what I believe was my kind of process for the brain being on fire, as I say, right? With anxiety and the depression. That was interesting. And then if we Fast forward around that same time, I was also prescribed hormonal birth control and I was prescribed it for painful cycles. And so I, you know, you don't think anything of it, but then we find out later that some of the studies show that hormonal birth control can deplete magnesium, zinc, folate, B6, B12, and the amino acid tyrosine. Now, when you compare those minerals and vitamins and amino acids to the building blocks of our brain chemicals, our neurotransmitters, guess what? They're almost exactly the same. 
Exact, almost exactly the same and more, right? So there's nutrients that are essential for the synthesis and regulation of neurotransmitters, including amino acids, including tryptophan and tyrosine. In fact, people even will supplement with the amino acids of tryptophan and tyrosine to help their brain feel better. And you have choline and vitamin C and B vitamins like B6, B12, and folate. (laughs) And zinc and iron and omega-3s and vitamin D that are all essential nutrients for the synthesis and the regulation of the neurotransmitters, right? So now I'm on this birth control that's been linked to depression, that's been linked to mental health issues, and even an increase in suicide, specifically the one that I was on. I didn't know any of this at the time though, right? So it's interesting to me. And there's no way for me to test and see like, oh, you know, if I hadn't gone on hormonal birth control, I would have had more of those nutrients. We just know that the studies show that they can, that this medication can, in some, t- some cases, pull these nutrients out, right? But we also know that the gut is where we absorb our nutrients. 95% of our serotonin is actually found in the gut. So my gut's a disaster zone, (laughs) definitely not absorbing nutrients. I'm on this medication that's pulling some nutrients potentially out that I need to build good brain chemistry. And then you have this like storm of anxiety and depression, right? So what do you do when you have anxiety and depression? When you go to your doctor and I was, I was prescribed an antidepressant. I was prescribed an SSRI called Lexapro. And SSRIs keep the serotonin that you do have in circulation, which is great at the beginning. And it really helped me. And it was a floor underneath me. And it was a way to support me. And it was my, like, honestly, it just, it saved me in so many ways because it helped me from feeling like just completely at despair. But then over time, because potentially we're not making any new serotonin, we're going to have issues, right? We need to actually create new serotonin so that we can support our brain. So this is really interesting, right? So I think it's fascinating. And now it's, again, this is all fast forward, right? I'm just, this is hypotheses that I see that could be correlative to my experience. So antidepressants themselves can pull even more nutrients out of your body. So the same exact nutrients that help with brain cognition and function could be pulled out by certain antidepressants, which is crazy, crazy, right? So let's look at some of those. So magnesium, B2, B6, B12, folate, CoQ10, you're hearing the same ones over and over again, right? So magnesium is probably like my favorite mineral because it's like essential for, I think, 300 different enzymatic uh, processes in the body. And it's essential for hundreds of processes to work and systems to work in the body, including our brain chemicals and sleep and relaxed muscles and hormone metabolism and detoxification and bone health and just so much more. So I was probably at a pretty low magnesium level given that, you know, our soils are so depleted in magnesium. And then I'm on two medications that can pull it out, right? Uh, And then coffee, stress, these things also will deplete magnesium. So I was probably just like really low in magnesium, right? And then B2 and B6. So B6 is a a key nutrient. Uh, It's one of the ones that directly will boost mood and support sleep and help you detox estrogen. It's involved in the production of serotonin, GABA, and dopamine. So it's like essential, right? Uh, I can't even tell you how many clients now, even now that I'm a practitioner, 
I see this like kind of low, low B6. And then, then I ask them about their sleep and their mood and they've got this correlative kind of factor there. So B6 was a big one. B12, folate, uh, you know, if you are depressed like I was, you might have lower levels of B12 and folate circulating in the blood. And there was a study that showed that people with low blood folate and B12 were at a greater risk for developing depression. So these two B vitamins really play a vital role in a process called methylation, which directly impacts your mood, your cognition, your ability to to detox and to create energy. And what I find so interesting about my personal case is that when I ran my genetics, I found out that I had what's called SNPs. Um, in my genetics that uh, were for folate and B12. So I already was set up to not be able to utilize B12 and folate from my diet as well as other people, right? And then I'm on uh, on these medications that potentially are pulling them out too, right? So, so interesting. We also know that some synthesis of B vitamins can be done in the gut again, which my gut was a mess. And then CoQ10, which is an antioxidant, and that can help with free radical damage and oxidative stress in the body. And it may help your brain because um, low levels of CoQ10 may cause brain fog and mental fatigue and difficulty concentrating and memory lapses and depression and irritability. So, wow, these nutrients are all of a sudden really interesting, right? Really interesting for our brain. Like so many women I've spoken to have the gut issues that can lead to the malabsorption of these crucial nutrients that we need to support our brain and inflammation that can also cause depression. And then we layer on these common medications like hormonal birth control and even the very mood stabilizers or um, antidepressants that deplete potentially those exact nutrients that we need to build our brain chemicals. And we just have this recipe for a disaster, right? Like I can just see the whole the whole train, right? It's like the Sophie train of like where I got to where I was. Now, it's all well and good to say, well, if someone had intervened, which sometimes I wish they had, but we only know what we know, right? I mean, how, how could we have known? It wasn't like it was malicious intent for my physicians. I think that this is just the tools that they had at the time. And what I believe I really needed was tools to cope with stress, a gut that was absorbing nutrients and wasn't inflamed and to at least add in some of those nutrients that I could have been potentially depleting by being on what at the time, what was too very necessary for me medications, right? So my neuro panel um, now, so fast forward to now, uh, well, a few months ago. So I was curious to see what my levels of especially serotonin were when I was on still the medication. And what it revealed was extremely low serotonin, even though I was on uh, SSRI to help me recycle it, um, extremely high glutamate, high histamine, which is illustrating that my excitatory neurochemicals were all pushed up, which contributes to agitation, anxiety, and insomnia. And then the serotonin or happy chemical was depleted, right? So here is like the perfect storm. It's the perfect storm for me to feel this like awful way, right? And so I I saw all of this and was just kind of like, wow, this is this is wild. And so let's dive into it a little bit more. So I had this high histamine, and histamine was excitatory, and it was pushing up my my dopamine, and then my norepinephrine and my epinephrine were really low because they had been taxed by so much of these excitatory you know, stressful brain chemicals for so long. 
And so that was really interesting that that was going on. These emotional stressors and all these different gut issues were causing my brain chemistry to be kind of off. What I found even more interesting in this lab, this is super nerdy, so stay with me, was, you know, my epinephrine was really, really low. And so I asked the founder, you know, why would my epinephrine be like the lowest of all these things? And what she explained was, well, you have to methylate (laughs) norepinephrine into epinephrine. And what did I just say? Well, I, I already had the genetic issues with methylation with my B vitamins. And then I was, of course, on those medications that could have been depleting them. And so all of a sudden it clicks into place and I'm like, oh my gosh, my methylation is causing these issues, right? And so here I am not really being able to balance these these really important, you know, stress hormones, uh, stress uh, neurotransmitters. And so you've got this kind of too much excitement with these, like the histamine, for example. Um, And then you've got this really low norepinephrine and epinephrine. And so these will impact our energy, our drive, our stimulation, our fight or flight response, our sleep cycle, right? Anxiety, our cognition, depression, all these things. And it was wild to see it all on paper. And then I had this, you know, histamine thing too that was causing some of this. And so we're going to see on a retest whether the histamine is still too high. It wasn't so, so high where it was... Um, indicating necessarily anything so bad, it was probably related to like a high histamine food. So I have been looking at, you know, how can I uh, reduce high histamine foods in my diet um, so I can support this. And so then what I learned through this test was that elevated histamine will cause GABA and serotonin, which are your kind of calming and inhibitory neurotransmitters to be depleted. And there they were. They were so depleted. So you can just see how I was probably not feeling so well. Even though I was on a medication to support with serotonin, there were all these other brain chemicals that were being impacted, right? And so um, I didn't have enough of the calming and I had too much of the excitatory. All right. So that brings us to today and what I'm doing now. So I was able to work on tapering down off the medication. And I had my last dose of the SSRI about two months and a week ago. And I am taking magnesium. Um, The reason I'm taking magnesium is it helps with all the things I talked about earlier. But specifically, I had high glutamate, which will, um, so magnesium is a very calming mineral. So we're trying to work on the calming part. So I have that magnesium for that. And then the B vitamins, I'm taking methylated B vitamins to support, right, with that methylation so that I can help um, with that low epinephrine. And also with some of the other brain chemicals, right? I mentioned that B6 is really essential for building three of our main brain chemicals. Now I'm eating, making sure I'm eating enough protein because protein is really the only way to really uh, build up some of those neurochemicals. And then I'm taking uh, something called 5-HTP, which is an amino acid that supports with low serotonin and the feelings of low serotonin. 
And that has been a real godsend for me. Now, I would just put this asterisk as I have on on this podcast already is, you know, not everyone should be taking 5-HTP and you should really be working with a practitioner and running, you know, labs and understanding what's going on. You should not just like take this uh, willy-nilly. So, but it has been great for me. It's helped with sleep and depression. And then I've been taking some CBD with ashwagandha. Um, and th- that combination together supports the GABA pathway, which is this kind of like relaxation pathway. So it kind of feels like you're having a glass of wine without having a glass of wine, which is pretty cool. I'm taking some vitamin C for adrenal nourishment because my adrenals were definitely taxed and, and drained. And so we're doing the vitamin C to support that. Um, I'm doing my next layer of gut rebalancing. And the reason I'm doing the next layer of the gut rebalancing, as you guys who listen to every podcast know is because I am detoxing mercury and mercury uh, will cause your gut to be imbalanced again. So we're, we're readdressing the gut. I'm watching out, as I mentioned, for high histamine foods. Now I'm not completely eliminating them because I think that's a really restrictive diet, but I'm at least looking out for them and just kind of trying to reduce them. I'm taking omegas and the omegas are there to support my brain and my nervous system. And I'm also doing somatic work. So I'm doing meditation. I'm trying to move my body. I'm trying to really be intentional with how I'm feeling and to provide my body with what it needs when I'm feeling off, whether that's agitation or anxiety or the opposite of like kind of being low and and more in that depressed place. So I'm doing all of that. I'm, I have uh, support, you know, because I always believe in investing in my health. So I have support as well. This combination is working for me. It's not perfect. It is definitely something that's a work in progress. I will be fascinated to retest in one month and see where my histamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and serotonin levels are lying uh, because they have definitely shifted. I can feel the shift. I'd be curious to know how by how, how much they're shifted and what needs to be addressed then. What's the next layer? So this is my story. I hope that it has given you some inspiration, some new knowledge, and it allows you to step forward and ask for support from me or from a practitioner that you feel you are connected to and that you also can have a balanced brain support, um, mental health. It is so important. I'm, I think that it is the, one of the most important parts, right? If we don't feel well in our brain with our mood, it can just impact so much of our body. So this is my story and I hope you've enjoyed it. And um, as always, the door is always open for you to reach out to me. I'm on Instagram at She Talks Health. If this resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Shoot me a DM. If you are looking to do this level of support and, and get your brain chemicals tested and work with me alongside a doctor, around supporting your brain. Um, That is something that we are offering and something I would love to support you with. All right. So until next time, this has been a true pleasure, very vulnerable share for me to share all of these ups and downs. And um, I hope that it's been inspiring for you. (laughs) Okay. Bye everybody. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. 
Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.